Hi guys, welcome to Glitch in the Co. Back here on Iconic. I'm here with my good friend Neil Sanders. I'm baking my tits off in the sum. Well, it's not even a summer house. It's kind of a conservatory in the back of my house. And Neil's um, in Nottingham, I believe. You're still in Nottingham. Yes, yeah. yeah still in Nottingham. We've worked together on a lot of stuff over the last few years. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I've learned a lot from Neil. And as you know, he's a machine with this research and finding the right documents to have a look at he's taught me a lot and i've i've reviewed a lot of what i thought especially about this covid19 stuff through the years uh, through the years through the last few months um neil welcome to the show welcome to iconic um, i know you've done an interview with with gaz a little while ago what we want to do is talk about more about the, the you're, you're an expert in mind control and you're an expert now especially in the data the use of data in mind control and behavioral control same sort of thing really i suppose but what we want to Let's get past this kind of, is the COVID thing a, a thing or not? Because obviously your last interview on the Raconteurs I thought was brilliant, to be honest. I actually thought it was one of the best interviews I've heard in a while because you stuck to your guns. Um, what you've kind of seen here is something's happened. People don't really believe whether it's real or not. They've used their own bias to try and fit in with their own narrative to make themselves feel safe, regardless of it was, myself included. And then they've gone, now this is happening, and now that's happening. But the fact is, whether it's real or not, what is happening very, very, what is very, very real is the effect of it on the economy, on our mental health, on our physical health, on the deaths of loved ones, on the actual landscape of everything that's actually changing right now. And we're heading into a technocracy using some of the mind control techniques and the behavioral control techniques that you are very, very well versed in. Let's get, um, let's get your take on, on what happened with the COVID. Let's just do a couple of minutes on that and then move on to what this what's happening now with the track and trace and faculty AI, the sort of stuff you sent to me? Well, in broad terms, basically what happened was, I personally think, as I say, that, that it was released, released by accident um, from the uh, Wuhan lab um, in about October. There, there was a shutdown event at the, the lab. You can look at sort of mobile phone data and they, they absolutely quarantined the lab. They, they shut down all the roads around it and nobody was allowed in and out for, for a, a, a period of time. And this coincided with the, the Wuhan Games, which is where basically athletes from all over the place went over there and... Um, this is suggested as to be where the, the Italian uh, athletes got ill. They all basically picked up a cold, went back home. And this, this is potentially where it, it started to spread. Um, the virus the virus is real. Like, let's just get this out of the way. Okay, the virus is real. I know there's a lot of people out there saying that basically the virus hasn't been isolated uh, and various other things and the viruses themselves don't exist. It's like, come on, you've had a cold. Like... This is this is nonsense. This is a, the, 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 a lot of the sort of uh, terrain theory is based on an erroneous quote um, from um, uh, um, Louis Pasteur, who apparently on his deathbed said, "Oh, the train is everything." Beauchamp was right, and it's like he didn't say that. Even in the book where they purport that he says that, it doesn't actually say that. This is another one of these cases of people not bothering to check sources and not bothering to actually go back to the original document and just believe in something because it fits in with that particular thing. Beauchamp was actually involved in the uh, early stages of, uh, of uh, creating chemotherapy as well, which is something that people don't tend to uh, talk about when, when they 
connect him to terrain theory. Anyway, uh, I digress. It has been isolated. Uh, it's been isolated and it's been transfected through monkeys. It's been isolated thousands of times um, at uh, places like Edinburgh and uh, Korea and in China and um, in uh, America as well. And Basically, the reason that a lot of people didn't think that it had been isolated uh, properly was because there was a, a paper that came out in the um, New England Journal of Medicine. And in this, it basically was one of the first experiments where they they took the, the virus from um, fluid from a person's lungs and they cultured it and filtered it and isolated it. And they did it through all the proper ways with a control, the papers out there. At the end of it, it says... This paper does not fill Koch's postulates uh, because basically there are six stages to this. And, and that's what people have picked up on. They've picked up on this and gone, ah, you see, this, this doesn't actually um, uh, fulfill their own rules. It, it's, it's falling short by three stages. Fine, fair enough, that's, that's absolutely uh, true. The problem is that since then, there's been dozens and dozens of papers transfecting the virus through monkeys, doing their own isolation. The, basically, what they've found is, is that uh, macaque monkeys are the most similar to, to humans um, in their response to it, and it causes the, the sort of shattered glass effect in their lungs. Um, and, um, yeah, basically, they, they found that, uh, that macaques can't be reinfected, so they're slightly different to humans because we haven't actually seen that people can't be, be reinfected uh, with it. But, yeah, so, unfortunately, that's where that all completely falls down. Um, and the, the, the long and short of it is that it's not a particularly bad disease a lot of people made a fuss about the fact that it was taken off the HCID register like and what a HCID is um, is a HCID is a high consequences infectious disease and that's things like Ebola and um, Lassa fever and monkeypox I believe as well is on there there's a few and just before the lockdown happened uh, it, COVID was taken off the um, the HCID register and everyone was, well, if it's not a highly infectious um, disease, why are we bothering with all of this? And, and this is a misunderstanding about terms, about the way the documents are written by the government. The reason it was no longer a, a, a highly contagious infectious disease is because it doesn't fulfill the um, uh, the criteria. The criteria says that basically it has to have a high death rate and not be easily testable. So like Ebola is 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 a high death rate. That's like fifty percent of people who catch that will die. This isn't. This is very low. Like even at the peak, it was sort of like one to three percent, something like that, which is still significantly higher than uh, flu and not to be mocked about with. But it's not it's not Ebola and we have a test for it. So the analogy for that is basically, if you think of your body as like a Sunday football league, right, okay, Ebola is AC Milan, you're gonna get beaten 50 nil, okay? Um, whereas um, COVID is Nottingham Forest, you're gonna get beaten four nil, right, okay? But you're still going to get beaten, whereas just for some sort of like context, flu is uh, another Sunday league team that you expect to beat two nil. So, so that's where it is on the scale. It's like, it, it's the most problematic thing about it, isn't that it kills a lot of people. It probably won't kill you, Richard. It won't kill us. It might put us in hospital uh, and it might give us lung damage afterwards, depending on the severity of it. But the likelihood is that you or I would be probably fine. We might not even get the flu-like symptoms from it. The problem is that basically this virus, it seeks out um, vulnerable people. And this is where another of the massive, massive sort of 
misunderstandings about the virus has has, um, has come in. People saying, "Oh, well, he died with it, not of it." Now, th- this is because basically this virus doesn't kill you. Like, uh, what? What? No, that's it. Doesn't kill you in the same way that AIDS doesn't kill you. What it is is basically it's an immunosuppressant. It it overwhelms your immune system to the point where one of two things happens. Either you have a a psychotine storm uh, uh, where basically what happens in this case is your lungs start to inflame to the point where they burst and start to have striation patterns going through them. And they give out this horrible sort of uh, pneumotic fluid, but it's not like any fluid we've ever seen before. It doesn't respond to antibiotics and it's full of blood um, clots. Uh, and so it's very much almost like sort of uh, altitude sickness as opposed to pneumonia. And the lungs completely fill and they just don't have the capacity to, to deal with any oxygen and, and you actually die from uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome. The other way that this disease might kill you is that basically something that you've been living with um, that's been perfectly livable, like diabetes or high blood pressure or being a little bit overweight, suddenly becomes far, far too much for your immune system to cope with in your kidneys or your liver um, or your heart fails and and then it it kills you like that. So it should be said um, that this is the people are dying from COVID related illnesses rather than um, COVID uh, I- itself. The problem basically, as I say, is it spreads. Um, and what's so gallingly, gallingly annoying about this whole thing is that basically there was no reason for anybody to die. Um, Places like New Zealand and Greece, Greece is basically bankrupt, managed to cope with this. Vietnam coped with this. Japan coped with this. Lots of different measures could have been taken um, early on in order to actually deal with this. For a start, we could have shut down the airports and, uh, you know, the things like that. Uh, but, But in the UK, we didn't. What we did was we pretended to be listening to the scientists and we didn't. We didn't listen to even we didn't actually listen to, to Neil Ferguson. The government actually resisted the lockdown for as long as they could. It was three to four weeks after the government, after the, the sage advisors had said that they should lock down, uh, that they actually did. And this was basically to do with two people, Ben Warner and Dominic Cummings, or principally Dominic Cummings, who decided and seemed to be leading the government's response to this, that he didn't want to, um, he want, didn't want to do this. He wanted to, quote, save the economy, uh, herd immunity. Who cares if a few pensioners die? Now, just quickly to explain herd immunity. Herd immunity requires that 70, 60-70% of the population get the, the disease. Once they've got that disease, like, let's say that it was normal flu levels. If 70% of the population got flu, um, that would be 250,000 people that would die. Like on, on just a normal flu year, if, they, if that many people got, got flu. So herd immunity isn't really a viable option because as well, the rest of the population still isn't actually immune to it. Now, Dominic Cummings was strangely prophetic in this because basically, because the UK didn't handle it well, because we dilly-dally, because we messed about, and because principally we had a policy where we moved patients who... Um, had COVID but didn't need to be on ventilators, moved them out of hospitals and into care homes. And then a policy was released saying that in um, all of these, we don't do testing. And they didn't provide extra PPE, so protective clothing or anything like that. And the care homes don't have the facilities to isolate individual patients. So what they did was they they said, in the cases where one person gets suspected COVID um, symptoms, don't test, 
shut the entire, assume everyone in there has got it, and shut the entire care home down. And so due to this, and due to the poor response, and also due to like, you know, not taking it seriously at the beginning to the point where certain hospitals were rather busy, um, the death toll is actually nearer to 65,000, 70,000 at the minute. That's what, what is, it, it shows if you look at the excess deaths. The excess deaths, like all normal deaths are, are at normal levels. Flus at normal levels, um, cancers at normal levels, heart attacks at normal levels, pneumonias at normal levels. Everything's in line with the five-year um, average. And then even compared to like when we had horrible flus like 2017 and 2018 and stuff like that, we're smashing that at the minute. The UK at the minute, as I say, is 65 to 70,000 more deaths than should be occurring at this particular time in the year, in the year so far. Um, and again, none of that needed to happen. It, 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 it could have been um, dealt with far, far better. It's just that basically the government have decided that, that, that they didn't want to do that. And what's horrible is, it, it, is that, and I say I'm very, very, very aware of all the problems that come off the back of it. Um, you know, there's problems with mental health, there's problems with people's businesses going, um, going under, there's problems with people not knowing whether they're going to have a job to go back to. And again, this is all due to poor planning and this is all stuff that could have been taken care of or thought out or had a strategy at the beginning but essentially did the government has decided they, they really didn't care their bottom line was to in this country was to to um um placate the tory donors so with that in mind um you mentioned something earlier about the um about the terminology if people would if it was terminology if the terminology was used of covid related deaths People would have yeah. a more under more a better, I feel, understanding of what this what it actually is, how it would affect people who actually got got things yeah. like COPD, respiratory problems, the elderly. You wouldn't get the elderly coming from the hospital going back into the care. I'm mean, just like basically giving them the bloody COVID and going here you go have it in your own little area. Um, I can understand how that that is just ludicrous. But if you yeah. use a COVID related deaths, people would more would more likely understand that these figures actually do sort of make sense in in the fact that they're not saying you're diet you died of covid as much as you don't die of hiv you you die yeah. of um age related illnesses and it, and it affects your immune system so therefore you would have to have something that's affecting your immune system already to be in line to be gravely affected by this in the first place so yeah. to me that seems like <laughs> what's what's happened is they've allowed it to happen to, to the point where a lot of people have died regardless if you believe it's a, a thing or not let's just say it is for this this sake um i believe I'm, I'm with you on that um now off the back of that do you think they've allowed it there's there's a certain level they've allowed it because they just care about money they care about mm -hmm. going back to work they care about the big businesses then there's another level of that game if it gets to that point, we're going to be allowed to. We're going to be able to roll out a lot of this stuff with faculty AI, a lot of this contact tracing yes. stuff, and then the conspiracy agenda twenty thirty stuff comes in off the back of that. Have they seized yeah. the outcome? Have they gone? There's yeah, an outcome on this, and I'm just going to seize the outcome. Let it just fall to shit. Then we'll seize the outcome. And, and yeah, do you know what I mean? No, that's exactly it. And this is the point. This is why, like, I, I don't think that it was a pandemic, so to speak. 
Um, uh, I think that basically they've, they've made hay while the sunshine, or you know, made lemonade out of lemons, whatever you want to sort of like, however uh, you want to describe it. Like the thing about say event two I one and stuff like that. Like I, I'm not. It's not clicking with me. Even the lockstep stuff. It's not clicking with me in regards to basically like, oh, that proves that they planned it or whatever. But I'm perfectly willing to suggest that people have gone there and gone. You know what? This would be a bloody good time that we could r roll out this thing, particularly as you say with with the actual um, the data mining uh, stuff like that. It's um, yeah, it's uh, the the point is the messaging was off, um, and and I said that right from the start. That basically, you know, you can't trust the news media because the media is basically there to just like sell you crap, and it's going to basically it's got a, it's got an angle, and it's going to pitch that to the point where basically. You're either preaching to the converted, or the the other side's not going to listen. You know, you're going to watch, say, I don't know, whatever your your, your political preferences. You, you're not going to watch the other side without going, well, "This is bullshit. This is they're completely manipulating the facts," and not tend to see it with with um, your own uh, side. So the the news media is just like useless, pretty much, because they're either trying to scare you or badmouth somebody or just you know keep you watching, really. But the government, particularly in the UK, has been been poor. I mean. In America as well, there's these massively contradictory messages. When you've got the president of the United States contradicting his chief science advisor, I don't care which one you believe, that is going to cause problems just on the face of the fact that you're getting two diametrically opposed pieces of advice from two people who you're supposed to trust. In the UK, we've gone even further. We had that like COVID awareness thing, which is, what was it? It was the R number, right? Over uh, the R number plus the number of affected equals the COVID awareness level. And it's something it worked out like uh, on the day I did it, it was like, well, well there's 233,000 known cases. The R number is 0.9. That means it's something like 165,000. I forget what the figures were, but it's just nonsensical. It's just meaningless crap. Like all of this crap again about like the R number and like that's all reliant on testing. You can't know the R number unless you've tested a huge amount of people because you can't be seeing how many people have caught it. Like you're working on on people being hospitalized or people like, you know, other vectors of basically getting this data in, they're just not gonna be sufficient for you to, to actually say that. And and, and so that, that's the major problem. This this is why a lot of this misinformation and disinformation has, has, has been able to sort of get into the alternative milieu. And I don't blame people at all, really, because basically it was in sync with the poor messaging. You know, they're not explaining how people have died. So people are thinking, well, hang on, they're just adding any old crap to the death certificate. And if it's, hang on, they've all had underlying symptoms. This is suspicious. Of course, they've all got underlying symptoms. But what they don't tell you is that those underlying symptoms are things like um, diabetes or, or high blood pressure. Like, you know, 31% of the planet's got high blood pressure. If you've got high blood pressure, you're technically, like, at risk. Um, again, I, you can avoid it, but but it's it, this is the point. The messaging was all over the bloody place, and it just never allowed anybody um, to get a coherent grasp on it. Um, so with that mind, the, the, Neil, so, so with that, yeah. no, just jump in there. That mind, the fact that a lot of these things have come off the back of it, like the contract tracing's come out, people are walking around yeah. with masks on, they've got the ridiculous stuff on the floor, they've made it so ludicrous that it looks like a massive conspiracy theory. Do you think that's added to the fact that people believe this, is ha yeah. this isn't even a real thing? Because Absolutely. it plays into the massive conspiracy, therefore that could have no validity at all. Absolutely, I, I get it. And I do understand why people basically 
still are under the impression that it's not serious or or it's not um, even real because basically it may well have not affected them or anybody close to them. Like, um, but when you do sort of know people that that are involved in it, um, as I say, like I'm not getting my information from the news. I'm getting it from friends of mine that are doctors and nurses or anesthesiologists or whatever that are telling me, yeah, yeah. And and again, the message is basically like, it's this: it's not panic stations. It's totally, totally controllable if um, if you're sensible. It can mess you up, and it will probably knack your granny, right? But um, but it's the but it's not nothing is the point and i think that that it's, it's kind of a bit dangerous to say that it's absolutely nothing uh but I, again that's why people say i said this on on the the, the um the iconic thing that we did is basically it's like it's like a sort of men, uh, psychological car sickness because you the news and and everyone's going ah death 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 and and it, you're just not seeing it you, you you're just not actually seeing it but but you know, I've never seen a panda. I'm pretty sure that pandas exist. Like, and and the point is basically just because you've not been personally affected by it doesn't necessarily mean that um, that 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 it um, that doesn't exist. There's other things as well. There is an element, and this is not everybody, but there's an element of basically it's more comforting. People need closed loops, uh, mate. Like, and they they. There's nothing more frustrating than basically like a film breaks through, doesn't, or leaves unanswered questions, or a series gets cancelled after like like halfway through or something like that, because you'll never be able to close that loop of what happened, and so you'll never be able to. And this is to, to, to get the answers, and this is why people are attracted to, for want of a better word, conspiracy theories or finding the truth out, because basically there's just that nagging doubt there, and you've got to get things and put them into place so that you can sort of file it away in your brain. And the problem with um, an, a disease like this is it causes incredible, incredible uncertainty. And that's not healthy and it's not fun. And it's really, really like it causes anxiety and it causes depression. And so a lot of people basically, when they're told certain things that are, are comforting, even if they don't bear close scrutiny, they might go to it. And I don't wish to be rude to anybody, but it's not dissimilar to basically terminally ill people suddenly finding God or something like that. There's a very extreme example of it, but the sort of the psychological mechanism is, is there. You're basically you're looking for something that goes, oh, it's okay. Uh, and I think to a degree with with a lot of this, that, that, that certain people have, have decided that basically oh, viruses themselves don't exist. And it's literally basically they've gone the mental gymnastic route of, and I don't think they even realise this. Their subconscious brain is going, this is horrible, 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 and it's horrible. This guy on the internet says viruses don't exist. Good enough. Brilliant. Well, if viruses don't exist, this virus can't exist. And if this virus doesn't exist, there's nothing to worry about. Oh, brilliant. I'll just go back to like just kicking it now. And again, I totally, totally get that. And the other point is that basically... The government aren't to be trusted. They did overhype the swine flu. They did overhype the bird flu. Like the Ebola thing was like was going to destroy us all, and and YTK and everything. They've got form, right? They've got form for for lying about stuff and utilising it um, for their own ends. And again, you should always be be wary of that. But in this case, I just think they buggered it up. And another thing, Richard, is that basically I think what happened was. 
And this is social media's fault. This isn't, again, this isn't people's fault. When this first happened, I got a lot of stick for not coming out with an opinion. People were like, what do you think? I was like, I've got no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Let's see it, wait and see. Other people have got like, you know, daily shows and, uh, and weekly shows and they had to have an opinion. And it was a bit tricky because nothing else was happening. Literally nothing else in the world was happening. Everything stopped, all the films had stopped. No one's going outside. So this is the only thing that's basically in the zeitgeist, so to speak. And a lot of people had to jump on it right from the start. And you've got two positions in a pandemic. It's going to kill everybody or it's not going to kill anybody. And that's it. That's the only two options that you've got uh, unless you sit and wait. And the thing about this was basically, I think the Chinese lied about how many people died there. So basically it didn't look actually that scary when it was coming out of China. And then it mucked about and then it didn't happen. And then basically like through February and, and, and March, it's just normal. It's just petering along. Oh, it's going off in Italy, but like, you know, they're telling us like half a million people are going to die and we can tell that's not going to happen because look, it's perfectly okay. And then all of a sudden April happened and people started dying and um, people have done one of two things really. They've either gone ignored that just ignored it and basically stopped using graphs or stopped going on statistica or stopped going on euro momo and stuff and basically just hoping that nobody goes what about all these dead people doesn't that mean that you were wrong or alternatively what they've done is they've gone well we need to come up with some other way of explaining this amount of excess death and so they've they've gone different routes and and i think that's that's particularly dangerous because that gives the government an out. That basically says it's not the government's fault. It wasn't a policy decision. They just didn't have the tools or it was mass malpractice or basically like doctors and nurses were, were killing them because they, they, they hate these people or, or whatever. Like that's giving the government an out. Right. What these are the facts. Right. There is a disease. It kills people. Not everybody, mostly old and vulnerable people. It's very, very infectious, but it's totally avoidable. This disease was here. It was in our hospitals. And we move people from these hospitals into care homes. And these care homes are full of vulnerable people, right? And these vulnerable people died. That's that's the line. OK, and it's like, oh, right. Well, it was the, it was the virus then, wasn't it? Like this, this was the thing. Like... No, no, no. It's got to be something far more complicated. It's got to be something far more convoluted than the obvious answer. Why? Well, because I said two months ago that this virus wasn't wasn't doesn't exist. And again, when you're sticking to that or when you've got that mindset in your head or again, to be fair to people, when they've not witnessed it for themselves, um, and then you see all these measures that are taking place and, and just queuing up to go in the supermarket and not being able to go to the pub. And this stuff that I hate as well. I hate it as well. Your brain will go, this is bullshit. This is utter bullshit. There's no requirement for any of it. The problem is that a lot of it is silly and too late and like, you know, just window dressing. Um, but, but, it's, but all of this has got mashed together and to the point where people have sort of, They've set out the stall, basically, and, and they're not prepared to look at any aspect of it. And they see every aspect of it as a sort of like a drive towards totalitarianism. And again, I'll reiterate that you definitely, definitely need to be aware of that sort of thing. And we will come on to this. But it's not. It's a balls up. 
this is what it is. It's, it was a it was a mistake by the government, and they should be held account, to account for it. They should be held to account for the fact that we're still having to um, uh, take measures at all because they should have eradicated it. They should be held to account for the fact that basically they lied about following the science and they tried to save that save the economy. By which it doesn't mean small businesses. It means their their mates. They don't have to put their hand in their pocket. Why? Because if they put their hand in their pocket now and sort this out, how the hell, right? They've got more unemployment, more unemployment in America, right, than they've ever had in the entire like history of the, uh, since the, the depression or whatever. And they're paying for these people. They're able to pay for these people. Where did they pull that money from, right? Okay. The point being that if they cancelled HS2 or made the banks give back the tax that we, they took off of us in 2008, or made Jeff Bezos pay tax, or made um, uh, Google pay tax, or, or actually you know looked at MPs' expenses or looked at the people in the Panama Papers and brought them back and said, no, you cannot trade here without paying tax. Like, or any of these things, right, okay, they could solve all these problems. They could so they could have adequate mental health problems. They could have actually eradicated the disease, disease by now. They could have given um, safety nets for people's businesses and for companies to ensure that people had jobs to go back to. But they're not going to do that, mate. And I'll tell you for why they're not going to do that. Because if they do that, we'll go, wow, you were able to solve this problem. Why the hell didn't you solve problems ages ago? How have you managed to take every single homeless person off the streets of the UK, right? You didn't do that three months ago because you just didn't want to, right? You were able to solve this problem during the worst economic downturn during the middle of a pandemic, right? Because they could, but they won't. Because if they do that, you'll say, why did my library close? And it's really as simple as that. It's horrific. No, I've said the same to my partner. I've said that the reason why we're seeing all these stupid, ridiculous measures now and they refuse to let them go, like silly things like putting masks on hairdressers, and it, it, it's almost like they won't admit they made they cocked up. So they're going well, to put more lie upon lie upon lie. So it kind yeah. of filters it out and it fades away. But in order for it to fade away, they have to keep pushing it back a bit with another lie, another ridiculous thing, another ridiculous thing. And it's just making it worse, as you say. It, mm. it, it's not dealing with the initial cock-up. And I agree with you there. So now we come to the this, this contact tracing nonsense stuff. Yeah. Now, then you're seeing another thing, and I think there's two elements. The government area's made a massive cock-up, regardless if people think it's a true thing or not. They've not then they're clearly incompetent and that's why they're there in the first place, that's why they get hired. And then you've got these big tech companies that are, are now seizing the outcome. And then you've yeah. got this two level thing here. The companies are above the, 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 the government. So then you've got things like faculty II that are gonna use these contact tracing apps. Um and how would you, someone who looked at the Cambridge Analytica, why would they need to look at things like your utility bill, your credit rating? What what is good is that data in and they're saying it's for the COVID thing. <laughs> I mean, it's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, What's it's... going on there in your in your yeah in your mind? Well, it's data mining. I mean, basically, Faculty AI is run by Ben Warner. Ben Warner basically works on Vote Leave. Uh, Vote Leave were um, Dominic Cummings' um, uh, sort of uh, propaganda arm for uh, the the Brexit campaign that that worked in close conjunction with Cambridge Analytica. Um, and again, these are data mining and manipulation companies. Uh, the the whole point. 
the long and short of why they want to do this particular tracing app and why Palantir is involved with faculty AI in this um, is that they want your medical records. Um, and th they say that it's going to be involved in this sort of like tracking thing. It's, it's really not. Or they might actually do that, but that'll be very sort of like, um, that'll just be, it'll happen to happen. Um, it's so that they, when they finally privatise the NHS, which is basically, again, what I think is one of the, the things that they're manipulating this crisis for, is so that people say later, oh, the poor NHS didn't cope. That's what they're going to say. This is the point, right? Okay. Mm. They're going to say, when it finally comes out that actually far more people died than, than they're letting on, then they will say, the poor, the NHS, the NHS didn't cope. What we're going to have to do is we're going to have to like take the burn off of them. We'll just send send some bits, not all of it, right? Okay, think of it as a holiday. We'll send it to some of our American mates, and this will so just so happen to coincide with the uh, Brexit trade deal, uh, which is um, uh, which is already basically they've they've done it on the sly in the background. They've said exactly what I said two years ago that they're going to reduce uh, UK food standards and UK medical standards to FDA levels. So you know we'll take taking back control, well actually, uh, now we're under American jurisdiction for food and, and medicine, or that certainly will be the case when the trade deal comes through. So that didn't really work out that brilliantly, did it? Um, but this is the point, that they, they, that's what they want to do. But why are they getting all this data, like utility bills and um, uh, your shopping habits and uh, what music you listen to and, and all of this? It's simply because the more data you have of somebody the more complete picture you have of that person and the more easily they can be manipulated um there's lots of these sort of data mining companies and what they tend to do is on an incredibly simplistic level they just put you into a category like they'll have say two dozen different sort of categories that, that would describe personality types in regard to interaction with whatever their product is um and essentially they can slot you into it if you you're in a certain tax bracket, if you go to certain clubs, if you like certain sports, all of this information is, is very useful in building a, a, a picture uh, of you. And some of you will be saying, oh, well, yeah, but like, you know, that just gives an idea, it's a vague idea. It's like, yeah, but they're getting like five, 6,000 data points on you as well, as well as like basically reading your um, emails and um, your sort of posts on Facebook and your interactions and snaps, Snapchats and WhatsApps and all of these sorts of things. And then what they basically do, they're loading it into sort of um, AI um, algorithms, which decode your personality. That's really what it is like. They, they look for patterns and basically say, oh, every, every uh, it's something as stupid as John buys sausages four times a week. Well, he's not a vegan, which means that vegan advertising is not going to, I know that's glib, but, but this is the point. The, the, the simplistic way of, of saying how can data be used to manipulate you, I've said this many times before, but basically if I'm tasked to scare you and I don't know anything about you, I'm going to have to just jump out uh, with a hammer and a balaclava. That usually works. But like, but it's a bit it's a bit obvious, isn't it? Like um, if I know that basically um, you, you don't like spiders, I'm going to jump out with a hammer and a balaclava and throw a spider at you and that would be far more effective. Like, but you get the point. Like, the point is that basically the more information that you know about somebody, if I know that you like this particular type of music, I can go and strike up a conversation about that particular type of music and that's an easy in. Uh, and you might like me more uh, or whatever because people tend to, to, to like, you know, gravitate towards like minds. So, so this is where all the data goes. Um, and 
the the thing is right okay here's the the other the the, the other point is that that faculty ai basically have been given this contract um Ben Warner, who's the guy that basically is connected to Faculty AI, he was also connected to Vote Leave. His brother actually is the CEO. He's mates with Dominic Cummings. Dominic Cummings and Ben Warner have both been to the SAGE meetings. So when the government says, we're following the, the science, we're following the advice of scientists, it's provable bullshit because basically they're not. The scientists keep coming out saying they're not listening to us at all. They're, they're, they're doing the exact opposite of what we've been saying. They're actually listening to Dominic Cummings and Ben Warner. Now, the problem with this is that basically the right, it, it starts to get a bit uh, complicated in as much as Palantir are involved in this. Palantir is Peter Thiles, who's connected to the CIA through InQtel. It's, it's another massive data mining corporation. Now, what Palantir is, but they were working with Cambridge Analytica on, on, on a number of things, including like sort of. I know this sounds silly, but like pre-crime sensors, there's a thing that Palantir did that help out with in America called Trapwire. And what Trapwire does is it follows you through facial recognition CCTV technology. And it basically just, it, it, it monitors your behavior and notices when you're acting a bit weird. And can, they've, they've used this in Chicago on numerous occasions to arrest people on sort of like suspected terrorism actions or even sort of RICO statutes sort of, you know, gang related activity based on the cameras catching them acting a bit odd. Um, and again, this is all based on sort of like modeling of your personality and how you actually, you know, go about your daily life. They've got like a baseline and anything that goes off that baseline it is, uh, is, 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 is reported. Um, I mean, I don't think people appreciate it. Like you're absolutely right to, to avoid this, this track and trace thing, because basically it does, it will steal your, your data and they, they will use it for nefarious ends um, or sell it on. But, if you think that your data is not being taken anyway, like if you think you're not being tracked, everything that's, that, that's happening in this particular app is happening anyway, okay? Because all your online data is being sold on, on an intelligence level, like secret services and whatnot, they're listening to basically all of your calls and uh, or logging all of your interactions and stuff like that. A surprising amount of your interactions are sold onto corporate companies. What this is, is just the sort of political arm of that. And it is, in essence, it's mind control. Because basically, as I say, if you if you can if you the more you know about people, the more you can manipulate them. You know, when you got like fake psychics and stuff like that, and they basically they got people listening out and with like earpieces and stuff like that, and they're, like feeding information to them. It's not as similar to that. Again, it's it's the same principle. The more information you've got about somebody, the more angles that you've got to to know how that person ticks and to be able to 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 wind them in and. You know, again, the thing is, right, it's Palantir. What's interesting about Palantir is Palantir is connected to Cambridge Analytica, right, okay? Cambridge Analytica, I'm sure people have heard me talk about that. It was involved in the Brexit ban and getting Trump elected. Guess who else it was involved in getting uh, elected? Obviously, um, uh, Trump and uh, Boris Johnson. Um, and Ben Warner's faculty AI was one of the data mining companies that was used to get Johnson in as well. Um, but they also got Bolsonaro in. Now, where where are the three countries where this is working is going particularly badly because they're getting mixed messaging from the leaders um, and an overriding yearning, seemingly, to protect the economy? Well, it's Brazil and America and the UK. Now, strangely, again, these people have all been put in by the Heritage Foundation 
And who's the who's the Heritage Foundation, right? Okay, it's Coke Industries, Devos family, the Prince family, um, the the Cause family, uh, Steve Bannon, Robert Mercer, Kellyanne Conway, all these these people, um, Mitch McConnell and Pompeo and John Bolton, and all all of these people, and a lot of oil people as well. And here's the other thing as well. I know there's, there's an element of sort of crashing the economy, and there always will be disaster capitalists that basically come in and and make money off any disaster. But these people don't want the lockdown to continue, right? They're losing money on their oil revenue, okay? That's why, and again, I'm not stupid. I understand the problems with the lockdown. I just think that they could be solved in different ways. And I also understand people's frustration with the lockdown. But the initial um, anti-lockdown uh, protests in Michigan were financed, set up and promoted with a viral campaign by the Devos family, Coke Industries, and the Heritage Foundation. Because, as I said before, the people with big business don't want to lose money, they don't want the thing, and they're perfectly happy to use you as a canary in the coal mine uh, to see what happens, and hopefully you'll be absolutely fine, right? But if something bad happens to you, they don't, give it, they don't care about you. Like in America, for example, Tyson Waterloo, um, they, they, this is a meat plant where about 20 people died, and they shut because people weren't turning up to work. So Trump um, did the Wartime Preparation Act, which forced the meat plant to open. And then he issued an executive order that said anybody that doesn't turn up to work because you're frightened of dying or because you've got a pre-existing condition or because basically you're living with somebody who's got a pre-existing condition that might actually um, be detrimentally affected by this, you're not eligible for welfare. So you're going to starve to death. So that, that's your choices. And this is exactly basically my sort of annoyance with it, that we've been given this binary choice um, of basically, you know, stay at home and watch your businesses collapse uh, or, or go out there and uh, you be our, our canaries. Um, and again, I, I totally get people's frustration. But, it, but again, if I was if I was really, really, really cynical, so that basically this is what they've done, they, 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 they've, they've, they've got both ends of it because... It was Dominic Cummings that undermined the, the, the lockdown. Do you know it was Dominic Cummings that basically outed himself to the press uh, when he went to Durham? Why? Because then basically the public went, well, I'm not doing this lockdown shit no more. Quite rightly, they, they basically they said that this is hypocritical. The problem is that they played into Dominic Cummings' hands because Dominic Cummings didn't want the lockdown right from the start. Okay, so I'm not, and again, I'm not daft. When we went into a lockdown, Lots of police went power crazy. Lots of politicians went, we can use this. We can implement these laws which can be used. I'm perfectly willing to say that they basically they took stuff off the shelf and, and, and used it. But, but that, that, that's very different. But now, again, what they're doing is basically they're going to try and manipulate you to, to get hold of your data. Because data is the new uh, battleground, basically. Like data is everybody lives their entire life online or on the phone. You can like you can basically you know it's very it's a lot easier to hack information about people now than it was years ago, it, simply because basically people have got a, a far bigger online presence. Um, and and so this is this is the new this is the new battleground. So this is precisely that what the point of of this track and trace app will be. And so it's all combined. 
like the whole thing, the poor response is combined with basically, say, Heritage Foundation and big business elites that didn't want a lockdown, tried to undermine the lockdown. You know, the film The Hospitals, hashtag film The Hospitals, was started by a member of the Council for National Policy, yeah, James Hearn. Yeah. yeah, incredible. Like, it, like, and I get it. But basically, once you take a step back, and and basically, it's like, it's like David said, like, you know, when your options being given to you by the one percent, you need to change your mind because basically they're manipulating you in a particular direction, and it's it's controlling the argument. They're telling you that there's only two particular, there's two diametrically opposed positions. There's never two. Like, there's always a middle ground. There is always a middle ground. And 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 again, it's through manipulation of data and manipulation of information and getting people riled up and getting people angry and playing on their their fears like and i don't mean like you know hiding under the bed sort of stuff i mean like just you know general concern about your daily life and your family and your friends and your job and the future all of that can be manipulated and played on with the use of data and again i know we are talking about um, uh, uh, say so did the faculty AI and stuff like that but again I think this is where this, a lot of this comes in because the downplaying of the virus um, what, it, what it does in a lot of uh, senses is it basically gives the government an out and particularly with regards to certain people in America they're basically they're just trying to curry favour with Trump or they're pro-Trump or whatever and basically if the virus isn't as serious as it is or the response wasn't as bad as, as it appears then essentially he looks better uh, and so that's why uh, the, there is that particular angle, uh, particularly in, in, uh, in the USA at the minute. And then obviously we've got the connection, uh, Trump, to the uh, Heritage Foundation, the CMP. Precisely. And that, that's yeah. quite, I mean, the amount of times I've tried to explain that to, to Trump supporters and they just won't even have, they won't even look at it. They won't look at it at all. Something I just want to quickly pick up on before we move on. Um, Trapwire. Mm -hmm. Do you think Trapwire has something has anything to do with the social distancing that's in now? And is it something that they're kind of gathering data on people just because they can? How are they going to track people if they're on top of each other? Do you think there's a crossover well, uh, there? No, they can. They, no, they, I mean I saw that earlier, and again I can totally understand why people might think that. But the, no, they they can pick people out of a stadium. Um, in China, they've, they've picked like a single person out of a, a stadium that had 200,000 people in there in the dark. Right, okay. So, no, it, it's not required. The facial recognition technology is so sophisticated that basically, as I say, it can pick single people out of massive, massive crowds. Um, which is why, again, you need to, like, you need to be, be careful if you're going out to any protests and start throwing shit because basically they will have you on camera somewhere. No, I said the same thing. I said everyone has at those Black Lives Matter protests have got a um, tracking device in their back pocket. And I think what you've... So <clears throat> going in mind with your answer from that, so this mm -hmm. track and trace stuff's going out, it's almost like we're going to put out technology that we had 60 years ago to make it yeah. look like that's how far along we are when we're way beyond that. And they're going to... Yeah. It's almost like a kind of... Yeah, this is the new thing, and you're in. But well, actually, we're way beyond that anyway, and it's almost like a yeah, little, yeah. Well, little a, show. Well, let's say the particularly with the, well, the I mean, the track tracing is proven to be crap basically because basically it doesn't interact with Google and it doesn't interact with Android. It's just badly designed because it's not supposed to track and trace. It's there to just siphon off your information, and I'm absolutely convinced because of the connection to. Um, essentially, it's the Heritage Foundation that's basically been wanting to uh, to. Um, 
privatised the NHS ever since the 1980s. In 1981, a Heritage Foundation offshoot called the Adam Smith Institute petitioned Thatcher at least three times to privatise the NHS. Uh, and she, she, she was going to in 1981, 82, and I believe 83 again. And each time she was shouted down by, um, uh, by her cabinet. And, and decided not to go that route. Um, now, this wasn't because basically they thought that, that they shouldn't do it. It was because basically they knew that this would be absolute political suicide. And so instead, what they've done since that time is basically mismanage and completely like knacker up the NHS and turn it into an administrative nightmare so that basically it's just criticised and it's being it's running itself into the ground and the answer to all of this is basically going to be well we'll bring in this firm to sort of like you know we'll, we'll send, send for temps so to speak and these temps basically is going to be like you know it's, it's like they did with Virgin for the mental health services in the UK oh we'll just give it to uh, Richard Branson and then it transpires what happened with that is basically like he wasn't fit to the contract so they basically sacked him uh, and he sued the NHS for two million pounds which basically they gave him which is taxpayer money and then they had to pay him for the contracts that he didn't fulfill up to the end of the the, the, con the original contract as well and this is this is precisely the thing so you've got these heritage foundation people who are basically pushing to get people to go back to work undermining any sort of like um, expression of it basically just to protect um, the, the you know the, the politicians that are in charge um, and again, they've, they've been, so the, this, this is what they're doing. It's just like you said, that they're seizing an opportunity. They've seen this and basically gone, brilliant, we'll, we'll take all this data because we can use that later. They, they've been wanting to, to privatise the NHS, as I say, since the 80s. And instead of privatising the NHS, they basically privatised literally every other industry in the UK. So this is like British oil and electricity and shipbuilders and steel and Rolls Royce and Airways and Brit oil and, and basically anything that was that was a, a national industry that was actually sort of you know making the country prosperous, they knackered that up in, in return for the um, relationship that we had with Reagan, and um, and can you believe that basically. It's all coming from the same policy doctrine. It's all basically coming from the same policy doctrine. And this is this is the point. It's, it's the Heritage Foundation mandate for leadership, and it's basically big business um, and and nuts to everybody else. And so, like, this is the point. They don't really give a shit. Like, they don't care if your business fails, but they don't particularly want you to go back out there and do. Well, they, they don't care if you do well because you just like you're just a, 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 a drop in the ocean to them. Like, but they don't want to put their hand in the pocket. That's it's just as simple as that, and it's horrible. So you sent me a, an article a few days ago um, about that about um, UK government using pandemic to transfer your NHS duties to private sector, and one yeah. of the big names came up there was Serco. You've got yeah. um, Serco seem to be right in there as well. So it's it's almost like they're doing the infiltration thing we talk about with the with the whatever these this um globalists they don't just come and take over they'll eat they'll infiltrate and they'll mm. put it apart from within like yeah. a virus is that what you see happening there with nhs absolutely i mean this is the point they're, they're, they're basically as i said they've, they've taken advantage of the situation the fact that people are locked down fact, fact, blah, 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 and they're just running th things through on the sly but yeah that's entirely what it is mate and it's uh it's 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 nefarious, and the problem is that basically there's not a lot you can do about it. Well, I mean, you can you can make people aware of it, but like they're they're gonna do it, or they're gonna certainly attempt to do it. Um, and again, it's it's tied in with the the other think tanks, the IEA and the IFT. 
and basically they are run by the Heritage Foundation. They were the ones behind the whole idea of the American uh, tra um, trade deal. And it's Daniel Hanan and Dominic Rabb and uh, David Davis and Liam Fox and uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg and Michael Gove um, and uh, Boris Johnson. And it's, you know, it's the same characters again and again and again. And basically this is this is the point. The problem is, is, is like, you, as you said, that, that they're beholden. Boris Johnson has not done a sodding thing during this election. Uh, election during this uh, this uh, pandemic, like they've they've whisked him out and basically made sure he wasn't there because he's useless. Like he's he's as similar to Trump. This is why they have that terrible blonde woman and and formerly that sort of um, sofa with eyes that basically um, like you know lie to the press for him because. On his feet, he's not actually that good. What he's good at is presentation and bluster, and and you know he's he's kiss. He's not dream theater. I'll put it that way. Like, um, but yeah, he's um, he's just not been there, and and that indicates that basically he's not running the show. And I say, who is running the show? Dominic Cummings is running the show. Dominic Cummings is running the show. But actually, he's he's just the shopkeeper. He's running it for these other people, the, the people basically connected to Palantir, connected to the Heritage Foundation, connected to the YBN, which is another think tank that involved Farage and Rob and um, Daniel Annan and Mercer like years and years ago. And basically said so they've just been on the same tip for, for years, basically. So before we go, let's, so anyone who hasn't come across the Heritage Foundation, or whenever I mention it, people just look, give you a blank look. They don't understand what the Heritage Foundation is. What the is it? People, like <laughs> yes, I try and get people to go look at the Heritage Foundation, especially in regards to Trump, um, yeah. and then they just look at you and then they go, "I don't know what that is." So explain to people say? what the Heritage Foundation is, the connection to the um, CMP, the connection to the Moonies and the CIA. Yeah, cool. Um, uh, well, it's a, it's not the, the 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 National Heritage, right? Which is a perfectly fine organisation. I don't want anyone having a go at National Heritage, right? That's to do with forests and like um, uh, and you know keeping things nice. Uh, in good people. The yeah, they're good people, right? Heritage Foundation, not so good. <laughs> like essentially, what it is, it's a think tank, and by think tank, it means that it's a collection of incredibly wealthy people, all of a particular political mindset. In this regard, Heritage Foundation is it was founded by people like Paul Weyrich and the Coors brothers and uh, the Koch uh, brothers' father, uh, and I believe Donald Trump was involved. Donald Trump's father was was involved. The Regnery family, uh, the Wilkes brothers, people like this. It's essentially the the cream, the aristocracy, if you will, of, of America, uh, but of the particular conservative right wing potentially sometimes quite far right uh, and evangelical christian uh, and it and it very much connects in uh, with um, the the group the the family um like uh, all the sort of the uh, firebrand preachers that you'll know from America, like Billy Graham uh, and all these people, basically, they all came from uh, the heritage uh, as well. Uh, Pat Robertson, um, Glenn Beck, Tucker Carlson. So the, 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 it's, there's a lot of sort of, let's say, media figures as well that are actually surprisingly wealthy <laughs> when you when you get, get down to it. And they're involved with this particular think tank. So what's the point of the think tank, right? 
Well, he formed off the back of the John Birch Society, um, uh, which is a, a sort of Christian uh, movement that was pretty anti-communist. Uh, um, and that tends to be sometimes a euphemism for pro-Nazi or um, anti-segregation. Anti, um, uh, and so it's sort of pro-segregation or, or white supremacist, some might say. But anyway, we digress. So this, this think tank, what the point of it is, if all these people come together and, and all are like-minded, they can influence politicians by basically saying, look, we've got all this money. Uh, if for instance, you wanted uh, to say, I don't know, use our steel mills or, you know, we could do some deal with oil or something like that. But if you want, we can give you all this money for your campaign and we can give you all this money for X, Y and Z. Of course, we expect it all back and quid pro quo. But when you get yours, we get ours, blah, 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 blah. And, and that's essentially what the point of it was. And it started in the early 80s and was just incredibly successful right from the off. It's, it's not dissimilar to like... Um, Council for Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, that type of thing. It's that type of entity, an entity made up of, that's not connected to the government in any way. It's all private citizens, um, but basically through their money and through the documents and the suggestions that they make, they can influence people and they can get their politicians in. And once they get their politicians in, they can actually uh, get them to, um, you know, to, to do the policies they want, like tax cuts for the wealthy and uh, rolling back environmental protections and, and that type of thing. Now, the, the thing about the Heritage Foundation was when it was founded, it was founded with seed money from... Um, the Unification Church of Sun Myung Moon, which some people might know as the Moonies. The Moonies was actually started by Sun Myung Moon, who was in the employ of the OSS, and then two Japanese fascists, one's called Kadama and one called Asawa, um, and they were both in the employ of the OSS as well. And the OSS was basically um, the precursor to the CIA. So you've got three like OSS agents, and then they're told to form a cult and this is just around the time that MK Ultra is kicking off, and basically they're looking at mind control con uh, cults. And um, it, it was um, basically slip of the tongue, uh, Freud. Um, and uh, so basically they got seed money from the KCIA, which was set up by the CIA, and it was run by three uh, OSS officers. Through the um, uh, Unification Church of Sun Moon Moon, so it's better known as the Moonies, they finance the heritage every single year to the tune of uh, over a million dollars. They're also basically very influential getting uh, George H.W. Um, Bush elected. And what they, and also George W. Bush, what they do is they'd send thousands and thousands of their recruits, right, basically. This, this sounds silly, but they did it. Elections happening. Well, we're sending thousands of Moonies to this election district and they're signing on to the electoral register so that they can vote for George Bush. And that's what they did. <coughs> Excuse me. But the point being that it's clear to see from the financing that um, that these uh, think tanks are actually um, their intelligence agencies. And this is basically the military industrial complex, for want of a better word, um, we get the mashing together of the elites with the uh, intelligence agencies and with the industries and with the military and um, the weapons manufacturers and stuff like that. And this is where you get that sort of, for want of a better phrase, the deep state. And that obviously goes all the way back to, I mean, I'm reading the Fourth Reich by Jim Mars at the moment. There's a lot of connection between um, the yeah. OSS and um, the banking families, the Rockefellers especially. And Ross yeah. Charles and that, so they're all—it's a trickle-down system, isn't it? It's sort of a totally penny drop so. system. 
Yeah, does he talk about things like the World Anti-Communist League and stuff in there? Yes, he does. As well, yeah. like they were, yeah, they were heavily connected with CIA members and Heritage Foundation members. Uh, was it Jim Jim Min? I forget. But what's so, so so strange about this is, as you say, they're rubbing shoulders with like hardcore Nazis, particularly in the CNP. The CNP is like the higher um, version of the Heritage Foundation or the Council of National Policy, and they're a bit like the mafia in as much as basically. You're not allowed to admit that this thing exists, although lots of people do, and they actually have a website, which is a bit weird. But you're not allowed to admit that you're a member, although lots of people do. And this basically is like Steve Bannon and Mike Pence and stuff like that, and it's connected um, to the family, which was uh, Douglas Coe. Douglas Coe basically ran this evangelical group called The Family, which runs the National Prayer Breakfast. And he was mentored by Billy Graham, who's CNP, and Jim DeMint was, was in... Um, the the family as well. So this is the sort of cross contamination. So you get this bizarre. The, the they don't just like have a political in and an industry in through sort of big pharma and big oil and the weapons manufacturers and stuff like that, which they obviously do. And they also have this policy sort of thing where they'll throw money at people to get things. But they also have this religious aspect of it as well, where basically they can influence people through the connection to um, various churches. Um, Jerry Falwell was the other guy. That's the name that I've been struggling to to, uh, to get. Um, and that's that's how they they they, they basically use this to um, to appeal to that particular crowd, particularly in America. So they've got the religious angle, they've got the um, the, the corporate angles on all the sort of fronts. They've got the intelligence angle, they've got the data mining angle, um, and as as you, as you said, they've got these sort of hardcore Nazis. And I don't mean that in a pejorative term or in a sort of like go, ooh, you're a Nazi, like proper card carrying, proper Nazis. But what's weird is that they're there on the, the, like rubbing shoulders with like really hardcore Zionists as well, and and there's a mixture. There's there's a there's this really uneasy mixture of pro and anti-Israel uh, that sort of sits within these the, the ranks of these things. And uh, uh, and it's again, it's, that's another really story, but it's essentially because they both have similar goals, which is that the temple is destroyed in, um, in Israel so that Jesus can come back. Um, I know it sounds ridiculous because we're in the 21st century, but like apparently this is what these nutcases believe. Yeah, we, we spoke about that a few, uh, quite a few months back. And I and I mm. said I think they're playing the two off against each other. Yeah, to, no, to, to, right. to, to receipt to they don't care the the banking families, the banking cartels, the black nobility. These sort yeah. of, they don't care who gets there first. Just get there, build it, and then we'll take over that sort of thing. You know, we were saying before, like on um, uh, on the hypnosis documentary and stuff like that, we were saying that basically, like we, we were saying, it's a bit like sort of Mount Olympus, where they're basically they're all vying for attention and stuff like that. Billy Ray Valentine came up with a with a better. Uh, John Brisson told me this one. But this is a much better explanation of how the, the the black nobility or whatever you Illuminati, whatever you want to call it, actually function. It's like the mafia, right? Okay, you've got lots of different families, but you're all the mafia. You're all basically under the same code, but you're all the mafia. You might be vying. You know, the the Salvatores might want to sort of beat the um, the Costellanos or whatever, but you're all in the mafia. And even in even in your little sort of mafia families, you might not get along. Like Sonny Black might not actually like Sonny Blackish. Like, but like, but they still have to sort of like stick to it because they're capos underneath Sonny Red. They're all called sunny um but but do you see what i mean and, yeah. and that's sort of a, a 
better way of, of understanding. Um, and I think that's really brilliant of, of, of Billy Ray Flynn for coming up with that because it, it totally says that they're all connected and they're all essentially got the, 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 the same goal. And, and a desire to keep their thing going and to not upset the apple cart in their thing or to expose their thing. But within that, you've got all sorts of complicated views on how it should be run uh, or, or who should be in charge and rivalries and disputes about sort of, you know, personalities and stuff like that. And I just think that's a really, really clever way of looking at, um, at the sort of confusion um, which is why we see sometimes, as you say, really, really like obviously like coalescing, like collective driven together. Everybody's obviously in on this. This is like, come on, we can see where the drive's going. Whereas other things, you, you do see these sort of spats between each between groups that sort of seems to contradict one another. Yeah. And I think that's why you see a, a, see a Trump or you see a, Boris and they have fallouts. They get together. It's it's, it's that their ego gets in the way. It's, it is very. Yeah. There is a lot of very human problems. Of a lot of human issues in these big problems, as you say. But then there's that one defining goal for all of them. But they all want to get there first, and they're all promised yeah. to get there first, and they're all gaslit to get there first. And I'm sure they all believe they're the chosen one to get there first. Um, and it's almost like they they die. They, they're eating each other alive in their own cult along the end and I think that's that's a maybe a nice way to end it because I think that's what will be their undoing at the end their own collective greed and, and gluttony and their own collective um, ego will actually just eat each other alive before they even get there it's just whether we can keep going in the meantime because yeah. in in their fuckery we get abused all the way along well it's kind of like the snake eating its own tail but we're kind of trapped in the in the middle of it and you know the more it eats itself the tighter the pressure gets Oh, I lost you there for a second. Can you say that bit again? Say that analogy oh, again, because oh, that analogy was oh. perfect. It just went a bit... It lost it. I was saying, like, it's like these sort of the Ouroboros with the snake eating his own tail, and basically we're kind of trapped in the middle, and the problem is the, the, the more it eats itself, the tighter it's constricting around us, and I suppose we've just got to hope that basically it kills itself before before we run out of, uh, of space. I think that's an, a brilliant analogy, and I'm going to have to remember that one, because that, to me, is is exactly the analogy and by by um lowering the population it gives itself more room to squeeze um in the middle mm. there's less of us so it's got more room to eat itself round i think that's um mm. another way of looking at the population control neil this has been fantastic i like the way we've gone from one to the other but we've really laid out mm. what is going on here is a is a mass confusion from the top to the bottom and it, if you start to look at it as this whole beautifully controlled, structured machine, it's not. It's a clusterfuck, and and yeah. we've got to realise that 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 this is very a very psychopathic yet human problem we're dealing with, um, and um, that's why we're seeing a complete confusion. And maybe it's it's coming out in trauma. The trauma-based mind control is quite clear what's going on out there. Whether it's done on purpose or it's just a thing that's within people to just do to each other i don't know um well 
But well, yeah. it's always handy to have a, a nice low level of trauma at, at any point, really, isn't it? Because it just makes people more malleable. And it just makes people more sort of likely to go to an authority figure and say, can you please help me with this and sort it out? Perfectly natural instinct. But again, these these are the things that, that you need to just be aware of, that basically, you know, people aren't, you're not allowing people to, to use these things to take advantage of you. And that's what it comes down to every time we come back to it, is that conspiracy theorists, people that I've worked with, Every person I work with, they're trying to protect you from from something. And that's all yeah. we're trying to do in figuring these things out. We're trying to protect ourselves and warn others. And that's really all we're trying to do. And and that should be seen for what it is. Neil, um, where can people find your work? Where people can catch up with you? And I'm sure I'll speak to you again soon anyway. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure by the way, man. Uh, yeah, um, uh, neilsandersmycontrol.com or, or just on Facebook. And, and yeah, just, uh, you know, drop me a line. Uh, uh, I'm usually available to chat. Brilliant. And what you, what have you got coming up? You've just released your Cambridge Analytica book a few months back. Anything else in the pipeline? Not really at the minute. I'm just sort of kicking back and sort of waiting to see what's happening, really. Like, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Brexit um, because, you know, I, I did make a, a series of um, predictions uh, which seem to be sort of coming to pass. Um, and, um, yeah, I think a lot of people were quite surprised that basically um, they went completely back on their word, 180 degrees. Like, we'd know, we'd, we'd, there's no way we're lowering the standard of, uh, of food um, for this trade deal to so just completely just roll on that and say, yeah, we're absolutely going prepared to do that. And it's even more nefarious than that because, like, basically, uh, there's been two responses. Well, I just won't buy that. Unfortunately, basically, like, you know, they're making it part of the trade deal that, that, that it won't be labelled. Or even if it, you know, under current sort of legislation, they could grind it off and use it as an ingredient and therefore it wouldn't need to be labelled. Or people basically says, well, I'll just, you know, grow my own or, or buy from local. It's like, you could have done that in the first place. Like, why weren't you just doing that anyway? Like, but hey-ho so we shall we shall see what happens uh with this uh, because this is still the problem that's not been addressed about the irish border i know they keep saying that basically technology will sort it but there just literally isn't a solution to it um because if you've got two different custom zones you've got to have a border to stop smuggling like i mean let's just you you know uh, freedom of movement there's no point having no freedom of movement if someone can walk can can get a plane from france to ireland and walk into northern ireland and then get a ferry from northern ireland to england it completely defeats the purpose of of what we've done that's a problem that has yet to be solved because it will essentially nullify the good friday agreement and no one's come up with a solution for it but the clock is ticking so it's exciting <laughs> What a strange year. What a strange time. Well, I bet in three weeks' time we'll be talking about something else. Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure. I learn from a lot from you every time we do it. And I really do enjoy chatting to you and, and going through all of these things because it's a very balanced way. And I like that you really do analyse things and don't jump first. And what you said earlier, and just before we go, is somewhat Cristiano, um, um, who was in my documentary, said this to me, is that People now, because you said earlier, have got to produce content every day, produce content all the time. They're doing their research and they're guessing out in the open. Whereas years yeah. ago, you used to do your research for six, for three years in the background, write your book, then present it. Now, you're going to make your mistakes in public and that's okay. Just admit but it. This is the, that's the point. That's the point. Don't double down. Just go, guys, you know what? I've found, I've found this. Like, Or what I thought. Was it any... I understand that. and this is the problem of social media as well because basically you've built an audience and you're very like the audience is fickle and can be a bit 
bitchy at times. So if, depending on how you do it, a lot of people have sort of like, you know, are you telling me that I was wrong? Do you know how many people I've fallen out with because you've told me this, blah, 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 blah. So it's tricky. Like, but again, that's, that's if you've fallen out with people because you've repeated stuff that you now know to be true, go to those people you've fallen out with and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And just, just that's fine. Like, you, you're dead right. And, and your mate is absolutely dead right. Like, people are, th- are thinking out loud in public. And again, that's, that's perfectly okay. That's absolutely fine. But, You've got to be prepared to to roll with the punches when new information comes along, basically. You have to. If you're seeking any sort of truth, you're going to get it wrong a million mm. times and get it once right at the end. And and of course you are. That's the bloody way of learning. I have no problem. I never, exactly. built, I never built an audience, Neil. After fo- no one watches what I do anyway, so I haven't got a problem with that. I don't think that's true, is it? <laughs> um, cheers, mate. I'll put this up on Iconic in the next couple of weeks. Pleasure talking right. to you. Really appreciate your time as, as usual, and I'm sure I'll see you. See you soon when I'm next in Derby. We'll meet up for a cup of tea. Uh, Cheers, take mate. care. Take care. Bye. Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code.